Hello, wise woman. I'm your host, Wanga Hanyani, and welcome to the Woman Wellness Podcast, a natural health resource for the woman who wants to take control of her life, heal herself, and live her best life. We'll talk about health, hormones, sexuality, fertility, skin, diet, lifestyle, and everything else in between to help you thrive as a modern-day woman with ancient wisdom. So without further ado, let's get into it. And season two is live. Welcome once again to season two of the Woman Wellness Podcast. If you're on our social media, you would have seen that this audio is attached to a very beautiful graphic of mother and child. This graphic is by Duvay and Days, who makes the most beautiful graphics. Check them out, follow them. It's, it's gorgeous. Right, so before we actually get into the topic, let's talk about natural fertility. And what inspired season two? Season two is really inspired by, you know, my work working with women. A lot of women who I work with have hormone imbalances, but they're also trying to conceive. And one of the things that I noticed is whenever they go to the doctor's office, whenever they, you know, they see a health practitioner and they say, hey, you know, I've been trying to conceive or we're having a hard time sustaining a pregnancy or anything of that nature and the doctor runs tests, the most common thing that is being prescribed to them is ARTs. ARTs is assisted reproductive technologies. So those are your IVFs, your uh, donor eggs, fertility drugs of all sorts, those assisted reproductive technologies. There are some risks that are not presented or well presented to these women who are being recommended these protocols. I've seen also the negative effects of these medications. So that's what inspired season two. And how can we improve women's health, women's fertility naturally without being too invasive on the body? Over the same course, I also started researching and putting together a natural protocol. And that's a stem or fertility protocol that enhances fertility in a natural and holistic manner using nature's nature's rhythms so playing on the side of nature to improve your fertility and so that's a little bit about that and through the season we'll talk about we actually define what fertility is and infertility then we'll look into the causes of infertility and then we'll look at some of the ARTs that are used some of those risks, and then we'll go into lifestyle. What can you do on a day-to-day basis to improve your fertility? What can you eat? How can you massage yourself? How can you track your fertility? We'll go into that, essentially to put the power back into your hands so that before you even walk into a doctor's office, you already have a pretty good idea of what your body is saying and what your body is doing throughout your menstrual cycle to determine how fertile or how easily you can conceive without extra measures of protocols like the ARTs. Okay, so fertility, what is the definition of fertility? Fertility is defined as the natural ability to conceive unassisted. So that's just basically to be able to conceive naturally without being assisted in any way. Subfertility is a delay in conceiving which you may need assistance. 
Some women may actually not be infertile. They might just be subfertile. That means that something just they just something just may need to be tweaked a little bit, and then they'll be able to conceive. I read one case study where it was a couple. They had a recurring streptococcus infection, and it was just a matter of putting them on antibiotics, and then they conceived. But it took them so long. They tried to conceive for a very long time. And it wasn't working, but it took a doctor to realize, oh, hang on, let's just clear your strep and then let's see. And once the strep was cleared, they got pregnant. So that's something that you probably classify as subfertility, that you don't actually have something wrong with you that needs major intervention. And so infertility is the inability to conceive after six months. After six months, if you're under the age of 35, 12 months if you're over the age of 35. So that's considered infertility. And infertility is basically saying you definitely need some sort of intervention to help you conceive. There's a little bit of a blurred line between subfertility and infertility because there are couples who may take longer than a year to conceive who are subfertile. Whereas there are some couples who right off the bat may, can easily be diagnosed as infertile within three months. So it takes kind of knowing what's going on within the body to be able to define. But I mean, even with a definition, it's just a definition. It doesn't, I always say, I'm not going to let something that's negative define me. So similarly with infertility, I don't think a woman should wear that tag don't wear it because we don't we create whatever we say we create so don't let whatever negative tags define you and then sterility is the inability to conceive without medical intervention so even sterility it's not a final thing like oh you know you're sterile so never never um it just says that you definitely need intervention otherwise you know it can be caused from a different lots of different causes um, sterility and to to really get a sterility diagnosis they should really be thorough thorough investigations to really say somebody is sterile the who states that one in four couples in developing countries experience infertility one in four couples. If we just talk about women, because this is a women's podcast, also a lot of the information that I'll be giving you over this episode and over the entire season is really focused on women's fertility. I don't delve into men's stuff unless I really need to. So it's going to be, if it's stats, if it's methods, most of it is going to be focused on women's fertility. So one in four couples. Then it also goes on to say that 186 million women in developing countries spend about five years childless while they're actively trying to conceive. With the report, there also came lots of concerns that um, this infertility spurs on stigma, cultural stigma. It brings on violence, suicide, stress. And this is because of the... um, the value that having a child has been placed on women, especially in developing countries and especially in African cultures. Well, if you can't give us children, 
if you can't have babies, then you have no worth to us as a daughter-in-law or whatever. And this is where the stigmatization comes. Even in society, society will jeer and mock that she's infertile. Oh, they've been married for years and they're not having children. This type of stigmatization. This is being linked to rise in suicides and anxiety and depression in the developing world in women. So definitely, I think we need to do better, firstly, as family-in-law. If you are a young black woman who has been married, you may have experienced this or you know people are experiencing this. And this is our place where we need to hold space for these women and say, when we hear people say those things, or when we see and experience those things, people should be able to say, look, that's not your place to say that to anybody. It's not your place to womb watch anybody. That's their journey. You don't know what's going on. And at, at the same time, they always just sort of assume that it's the woman that has a problem. Because again, you know, the patriarchy, <laughs> um, if something's not happening in the marriage, then it must be the woman. You know, so that's, you know, those are things that definitely need some change. And another thing is the violence aspect that, especially in, you know, very culturally uh, inclined um, societies, that men tend to be more violent towards their partner when there is trouble in conceiving. So this is where we also see gender-based abuse, gender-based violence within couples especially when there is infertility involved so there's a lot that still needs to be done and I think it's the onus is on us to step up in those situations and places where we know this is happening and say hey this is not okay no one chooses to say oh hey I want to be infertile no one chooses it's just things that happen and so let's hold space for those women who are having trouble and if you're one of those women, I'm, I'm happy to have a chat with you. If you feel overwhelmed, if you feel distressed, if you feel hopeless, I'm holding space for you. So let's talk causes of infertility. There are many different causes to infertility. Um, it can be something as small as an infection or it can be something like structural. But they can all be assigned to just a few number of categories. The first one being physical, like I mentioned, structure. So is, is there a structural issue to your fertility? Structural issues can maybe not cause infertility, but can probably have cause a difficult pregnancy, depending on what's going on structurally. Also, trauma. Maybe you were sexually abused as a child or as an adult, and there's some trauma that happened to your uterus that may have altered or affected the structure of your uterus that needs to be addressed. Then you get chemical. So toxicity. Toxicity from heavy metals. Toxicity from non-organic pollutants. From GMO foods that we eat, which are laden with chemicals. And then from medications like ibuprofen and antidepressants, which have been linked to inhibiting ovulation. And then also just the day-to-day -day things that we use, makeup, personal care products. Those are products that also bring a certain level of toxicity into the body. And this is why it's important to try your best and use organic as possible. Use natural products as much as possible. Then we have emotional causes of 
infertility. Our mind, body and soul are one. One cannot function without the other. It's important for all of them to be in sync. And so where there is emotional distress, whether it's anger, worry, fear, all those will affect your fertility because at its basic function, your body is trying to keep you alive. And so where there is perceived threat, where it's, a, where it's in a state of fear, of anxiety, of depression, then it's like now is not the time to have babies. Now is not a conducive time for us to be procreating. So we're going to shut off that system in case you need to run away, in case you need to, you know, save your own, you know, it's about save your own life before anyone else. So that's what the body does. So if you're dealing with a lot of emotional issues, do not ignore that on your journey to conceiving. That's, that's going to be essential. I wrote an article, you can check it out on our website. It's how your body chooses survival over fertility. In times of stress, chronic stress, your body is not going to be having babies. Your body is designed to do that. And so it's important to understand your triggers, know your triggers, so that you're able to mitigate those effects and improve your fertility. There's also a quiz that you can take that you'll see, and it's about adrenal fatigue. So that's what adrenal fatigue normally happens when there is chronic stress in the body. So your adrenals get tired down from having to deal with stress all the time. So have a, have a look at that quiz, take it, it's a really quick quiz, and it'll help you know whether you have adrenal fatigue or not. And how you need to start looking after adrenals. And then there's hormonal causes. So if you have irregular periods, right off the bat, we know that's a hormonal imbalance. Your period should not be irregular. You should be able to know when your period is coming every month. If it goes missing, if it goes on a hiatus sometimes, and then it just comes when it comes and stays away for however long it feels like, then it also means that you may not be able to track when you're ovulating. And if you don't know when you're ovulating, you may not be able to time your sex to actually have babies. So it's important to regulate your period, basically get your hormones in balance because even fertility, fertility is run on hormones. Our whole body is run on hormones. So if you're trying to conceive, it's also important to don't, don't just jump into, you know, I want to conceive. Have a look at your menstrual cycle. As women, that's our fifth vital sign. When you go to the doctor, they check your blood pressure, they check your blood sugar, they check your weight, your temperature. As women, it's now been said that that's our fifth vital sign and standard should be that when we go to the hospital, they should also get to know about our menstrual cycle because that reveals a lot about our health. So don't ignore that. Don't ignore, get to know your menstrual cycle because once you know that, then you're able to know how well you can conceive by yourself or if you may need some help. And then obviously, if you have fibroids, if you have endometriosis, cysts, PCOS, that's very indicative of hormonal imbalances. We'll talk more. There's a whole um, episode of where, there's a couple of episodes actually, um, where we're going to be talking about conceiving with endometriosis, conceiving with fibroids, conceiving with PCOS. But if you're having these symptoms, these are all indicative of hormonal imbalances. So that's something that you want to start to work on to start rectifying 
in order to help you get your body in the best possible state to be able to conceive, especially if there's um, a structural issue in terms of where the fiber is placed, where the fiber is growing in your uterus. That's something you want to definitely get a handle on. And so those are sort of, you know, physical, chemical, emotional, hormonal issues. There's also a few other reasons which I wanted to highlight on a separate note. Autoimmune condition. This is something that is this is something that is spreading like a wildfire in women's health. Nearly about 50% of women will experience hormonal imbalances at some point in their life. That's 50%. Half of the women in this world will experience hormone imbalances at some point in their life. Autoimmune condition is raging through that autoimmune condition. And this is where your body attacks itself because it cannot tell the difference anymore between its normal cells and foreign cells or foreign bodies. So that's one that needs to be looked at. And this is where your thyroid comes in. So you may be thinking fertility, ovaries, but your thyroid is just as important when it comes to your fertility. Your adrenals are just as important. Your liver is just as important. So it's um, autoimmune condition is definitely something that needs to be, you know, we need to keep an eye on when it comes to fertility in women. Then there's genetic predispositions. So it's just that you're just predisposed. It doesn't mean that your life is going to turn out that way. You were born with a certain set of genes. That's just the best your parents could give you. But how those genes express themselves is really entirely up to you what type of environment you build for them. By environment, I mean if you do the same things that your parents did, that their parents did, if you eat the same way, if you do the, if you do the same practices, you're likely to turn on those genes and you will experience the same diseases, the same sicknesses, the same symptoms. But if you change your environment, if you choose to eat differently, if you choose to actually deal with the trauma, of your parents and their parents, then those genes turn themselves off and then you end up with a better gene pool than you started with. And that ultimately means that when you have babies, you have passed on a better set of genes. So just because you started that way doesn't mean that you end that way. What happens in between will determine how it ends. And then sexual practices. This is something, like I said, I wanted to highlight outside of physical, chemical, emotional, hormonal. Sexual practices. So this couple who had the streptococcus infection, on paper, everything looked good. Their hormone panel, everything looked good. They looked, you know, ready to go. There should be no reason why they're not having babies. But they had this recurring streptococcus infection. And so what the doctor decided to do is that, let me put you on antibiotics, let's clear the strep, and then let's, let's just see what happens on antibiotics. Strep cleared, still did not get pregnant, but when they came back, they had another infection. He put them on antibiotics again, it cleared, same thing happened. So this happened for about three times, where they kept having a recurring strep in infection. And so when he... He went back and was like, no, something's going on here. And then he asked them, are you having anal sex? And yes, they were having anal sex. So even when he did clear the streptococcus, 
because they were having anal sex, they were having vaginal sex as well. But when they were having anal sex, that that cross-contamination is what was actually inhibiting her from conceiving. So once he cleared the strip for the last time and told them to abstain from anal sex, at least until they conceived and had the baby, and the lady got pregnant from just that. So it was just something that, you know, that's just one thing, just change your sex practice, and maybe that's that. So that's one of those things that, you know, it really could be the smallest thing that's inhibiting you from getting pregnant. This is why you need to be patient when you're preparing to get pregnant, when you're trying to conceive, because when you rush through things, you might miss something, because what may be causing your fertility could be really something that's so small. But imagine if the doctor was not this thorough. The next thing is you probably put her on Clomid or anything of that nature, you know, some fertility drug, like let's promote your fertility, when that's not even what they needed. So it's so, 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 so imperative for you to firstly be patient with yourself and find a doctor who's going to be thorough with you and not just rush you onto the next procedure. Someone who's willing to help you find the root cause as to why you're not conceiving. And also to just to help you make an informed decision and not just put you on fertility drugs or put you on AR, recommend ARTs to you without expressing to you the risks of it. I know that one thing that doctors sometimes may have a problem with is that their patients are not patient. They want the result now, quick, make it happen. At the same time, they're doctors who are not willing to walk the long road with you and just they also want to just, you know, get you out of their office as quick as possible with the least amount of work done as possible with probably the most amount charged as possible. So find someone who's going to be thorough with you in terms of your health, in terms of your fertility. Why I say it's important to have someone who's on your side who's thorough is that ARTs are being overused. They're being overprescribed. I mean, there's all the politics to it. They won't make money if they tell you to go home and eat beetroot, you know, to improve your fertility. But they'll certainly make money if they say go and have an IVF cycle. When there's a chance that you may not even need IVF, don't just be coerced into taking medications or procedures that you're not fully informed on. The root cause is important. I mean, look at the couple with the strep. There's another case study of a woman who was told, you know, you just need to have sex mid-cycle because that's when you're ovulating, right? Straight, that's, that's straightforward. Have sex when, when you're ovulating because that's the only time in a woman's cycle when you're fertile, right? Um, but what the doctor failed to mention to this woman is that you're over 40. So a cycle, it may be about 24 days. So your mid-cycle is not going to be the same as a 20-year-old who has a 28-day cycle. And so this woman was literally having sex at the wrong time when the ship had already sailed in terms of ovulation. It took a, a thorough doctor <laughs> to say, oh, well, hang on, how long is your cycle? And then they were able to change her time when she was having sex. She conceived in three months or so. So root cause, root cause, root cause. 
that should be your starting point when it comes to figuring out what's going on with you fertility-wise. I want to give you a little bit of an idea about assisted reproductive technologies. If this is a new thing to you, maybe you only know one, and that's IVF. There's quite a few different assisted reproductive technologies out there that are used. Overused in some cases, but <laughs> that's a topic for another day. So let's start with fertility drugs, like Clomid, like Fertimid, which is pretty much the same thing as Clomid, um, like the hormone injections that women take in preparation for IVF. Those are all fertility drugs, and their core principle is to make sure that you are producing lots of eggs. So they're stimulating your ovaries to produce lots of eggs. The risks associated with this. Firstly, I did talk about this in season one, about some of the medications that are used to treat hormonal imbalances um, that have been linked to actually be counterproductive in terms of balancing your hormones or even promoting fertility. So season one, go back to that and you'll see. It's the Beauty and the Beast um, episode. You can go and check that out in season one. So some of the risks associated with being on these fertility drugs is ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. This is where your ovaries are basically saying, I'm too stimulated. And like the word literally says, ovarian hyperstimulation. So your ovaries have been overstimulated. Their normal function has been hyped up. This has been linked to ovarian cancer. So being on this medication, especially for a long time, increases your risk of OHSS as well as ovarian cancer. And then the other thing is the more eggs you produce unnaturally, the more defected eggs you have. When it's being forced to produce quantity, quality becomes compromised. The older you are, the more likely that a lot of the eggs that you're being forced to produce through these fertility drugs are going to be defected. So some of the abnormalities, some of the challenges that we're seeing in children now, it's due to these ARTs, which I'll get into in a little bit. Then we have intrauterine insemination, which is where simply the semen is placed into the uterus during ovulation to help with fertilization. This is normally used where the man is having issues in terms of maybe a low sperm count. So they're trying to just make sure that enough sperm goes in there to increase chances of fertilization. Again, you know, slightly ignoring the laws of nature, but sometimes these things need to be done. The next one, the most common ART that is prescribed is IVF. And this is where they use fertility drugs first to induce egg production, and then they harvest the eggs. So IVF is an in vitro fertilization. Fertilization is in the petri dish, and then it's placed into the woman's uterus after the egg has been fertilized, um, which is just a few days old. This is a very expensive process, and in the best of fertility clinics globally, on a good day, with the best of, I mean, everything happening to a T perfectly, the success rate 
is 47%. Meaning that in any given cycle, on the best of days, IVF only works about half the time. The real rates hover around 30 to 40%, but in the best fertility clinics, it's been recorded that it's about 47%. This is not supposed to deter you if you're planning for IVF. It's just to give you an idea of what's going on. And also, when we start talking about the natural way, help you understand that it's important to prepare your body, you know, before actually doing the IVF, just to give it the best chance to conceive. There's also IVF with donor eggs. So it means that the woman maybe is not able to produce eggs herself or that there's something going on with her eggs. And so they use her partner's sperm, but eggs donated from another woman. Then you also get IVF with blastocyst transfer. This is really to prevent multiple births because one of the common occurrences with IVF is multiple births. They transfer about three um, fertilized embryos because some of them might not take. And so this blastocyst transfer is that they actually wait. That happens around day five. And so by transferring that blastocyst, it's really making sure that um, they're reducing the occurrence of a multiple birth. And then finally, you have donor embryos, which means that both parents are not related to this baby so it's just couples who made embryos through IVF and are donating those embryos to couples who to other couples who just have issues on both sides the man has issues maybe with sperm and the woman has issues with her eggs and they both cannot conceive together and then surrogacy is where it's the surrogate's eggs with a man's sperm and gestational surrogacy is where it's a man and woman have their embryos made and then put in a surrogate and meaning that the baby is related to both its parents so those are the general ARTs that are available it's worth really researching to know if a procedure has been recommended to you get to know the procedure be well informed of the procedure before you partake in it don't just trust that because there's a doctor title in front of the name that they're fully aware of what they're prescribing for you. Take your health into your own hands. It is your body. You live in it. It should be your choice what happens. And so let's highlight some of the risks that are associated with ARTs. These are amazing technologies. I'm not knocking them. What I'm saying is they are overprescribed. Let's call it as it is. And two, sometimes they're not even necessary. And finally, it's important that even if you are going through this procedure, you should be well informed about what's really going on before you embark on it. Now, in terms of mother and baby risks, I mentioned OHSS, which puts them at a higher risk of ovarian cancer. Other risks are tubal pregnancies. We talked about the egg and embryo defects. There's fetal abnormalities, perinatal complications, premature birth, and science is still catching up to the impacts of these fertility drugs on a cognitive, emotional, and physical level of the children that are born of this. But what we do know is that about 3% of the babies born 
from ARTs are born with some sort of birth defect. 3% sounds small. Maybe if it was rate of crime, that would be a good number. But if we go back to the beginning where I mentioned that the WHO says about 186 million women are childless for the first five years of them trying to conceive, and we take 3% of that, if they were to be on ARTs, that's about 5.7 million babies who could be born with a birth defect. That is not a small number, and it's not something that should be just ignored. It's important to be responsible from the medical standpoint, to be responsible about the medications and procedures that are being prescribed to women for fertility because it's not just going to affect the woman, it may even affect the children that she births. And ultimately, that affects the future generation because that's the generation that we're birthing. I already mentioned that on a really good day, the best fertility clinics have recorded 47% success rate any given cycle. If you know the root cause of your infertility, one, you may even spare yourself IVF in the first place and spend all that money making the cutest little nursery. <laughs> or if you find the root cause and it still shows that you do need to have that type of intervention, it's still important to prepare your body. Three months, you know, I think three is a magical number. Three months, take three months, prepare your body, whether trying to conceive or going for some sort of ART. Take three months off, be patient, be kind with yourself, get to know your body and prepare your body. And that is what we're going to be talking in the rest of the episodes. Taking that three months off to just prepare your body, eating for fertility, using herbs for fertility, exercising for fertility and all the other things that you can do. First, getting to understand your fertility track your fertility, and improve your fertility. So that's it for today's episode. I will close off this episode with just recommending some of the basic tests that you can have done to check your fertility or to check what's going on with your body hormonally to see where you are in terms of conceiving. And so some of those basic tests are checking for your follicle-stimulating hormone which is FSH, and that's what stimulates your ovaries to grow and mature a follicle ready to ovulate. Then you get luteinizing hormone, which is actually what triggers the ovulation. You can get your estradiol checked, which is a form of estrogen, and it's really good to kind of um, understand your ovary and adrenal function, and that's the estradiol. Progesterone, which enables conception and a full-term pregnancy. Um, especially if, if you have issues with first trimester miscarriages, you definitely want to have your progesterone checked to see if you're having, if you're low on progesterone. Then DHEAS, which is an adrenal hormone, and that will tell us the state of your hormones. If there is adrenal fatigue, go and read the article to understand what adrenal fatigue is. I will link it in the show notes. Uh, if you have adrenal fatigue, then what may be happening in your body is a pregnenolone steal, um, which then lowers fertility. Then another test is prolactin. Prolactin is for breast development and milk production. 
Then we have SHBG, sex hormone binding globulin. This is how well your body is regulating estrogen, testosterone, and dihydrotestosterone. And if there's low SHBG, it means that there's too much of the hormones circulating in your body and unbound and this will show up in cases like the PCOS, irregular periods and acne. And then you get AMH, anti-murian hormone, which checks the ovarian reserve. Then you're fasting in insulin and glucose, which is your metabolism, and your full thyroid panel. This is important. This is where they can start to see if there's an autoimmune condition going on in through your thyroid. So your immune response, your body temperature, these are something that can be tracked through your thyroid. And finally, nutrient testing, which is checking for any deficiencies that may, be, that may have not been detected earlier. So those are the basic tests that you can definitely get on to see what's going on with your body and which will give a good idea of your fertility. Next week, we're bringing it home. What can you do at home? to check your own fertility first to understand your cycle and then be able to track it. It will be interesting. You'll get to know how to track your fertility using the moon, your finger, and temperature. I've had fun so far. I hope you found this informative. Please rate and review the episode and subscribe if you haven't already. And that way more women get to see this. Share and post your thoughts on social media and tag us. I'd love to know what you heard what jumped out at you, what you found interesting, or what you want to know. And then let's talk. So follow us on social media as well. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to know more about Woman Wellness, check out our website and all the resources available to you. Just a reminder that all information shared is for education purposes only and must not be substituted for medical attention. That being said, Remember that true health starts with what you eat, drink, and how you choose to live life every day. So choose wisely. Subscribe to the podcast, and don't forget to rate, review, and share this episode. Until next week, be well.